Welcome to RNGG, a randomly generated game design podcast, only not really today. We're doing a filler episode today, this week. Mm -hmm. I'm Cassidy, and my pronouns are she and they. I'm Crash, my pronouns are they, them. Um, So, at the end of our last episode, we uh, rolled rolled Alien Law, Mm -hmm. is what it was. Yep. Um, And... Since then, uh, a bunch of right-wing domestic terrorists stormed the Capitol building of the United States of America. That definitely happened this week. Um, and like between that and the complicitness of the uh, the police force, mm-hmm. um, just as an entity overall, and the fact that uh, instead of actually doing anything about it. Uh, was Congress? I think it was Congress and not the Senate that decided to just go on vacation. Right. right. So, um, I don't really, I can't even begin to try to think of how I would incorporate the word law, the topic of law, into a game without just feeling very upset about it. Yeah. If I upset, I just mean like very frustrated, you know? Mm, yeah. I definitely, I feel like I had a, a pitch for a game that was, I think, would still sit right with both of our souls, but I can wait till next week to pitch it to you. Because I think I think it still has like a good bit of some it, it's got something there. Mm-hmm. Um But yeah, like you said, in, instead of doing uh that episode this week, we're just gonna talk about some games and how we feel about them. Yeah, um, but so, you know, needless to say, like, if you're at all okay with the way that this event was being treated by the, the uh, by just media in general, really, um, not, like, refusing to refer to it as domestic terrorism, refusing, deciding to call them anarchists, which is, like, the extreme opposite of what was happening there and not yeah. referring to anybody involved as a fascist mm-hmm. um just you can go ahead and leave yeah the door's over there mm-hmm. um yeah i it's been it's been a while as by the time this episode comes out i'm sure people have you know you've been made aware of things that you can do or what have you um so we're just gonna not talk about yeah. it now we've talked about it and we're moving on mm-hmm. how are you feeling about video games this week well i was kind of frustrated overall with uh, monster hunter rise but for very like very petty reasons really mm. yeah i think um i think because i am a newcomer to the franchise uh, I don't have a whole lot of, like, built-up muscle memory, so I think jumping into it, I was able to pick it up pretty quickly. Um, yeah, it just, it made so much sense to me to have, alright, so if I hold down this button, like, holding down for me, like, holding down uh, ZR, for example, mm. uh, is what charges hammer, is what charges a bow shot, it charges stuff, and charging stuff drains stamina. Yeah. Stamp or running, sprinting, also drains stamina when you do it. 
So it just mm-hmm. made sense to me to have that be on the same button because you can't sprint when you have your weapon drawn, even mm-hmm. if it is on a different button. Yeah. So to me, my brain's just like, all right, yeah. So this becomes the button that I press to drain my stamina. Okay. <laughs> um, but now it's it has to. They are on opposite buttons, and if I hit the button to swap them, it swaps both of them. Yeah. Yeah. Instead uh, of lighting yeah. them up the way that you want them to be. Uh huh. Um, and I think the same thing happened with the um items, didn't it? Ever having to swap something? Maybe I was wrong. Wait. Well, I'm I'm also play. I played Generations Ultimate with the default controller, and to me, Rise feels very similar to the default controller for GU. Mm-hmm. So I'm able to jump between them. I because like. The, the items are still like, you know, you hold in L and then do certain buttons to like scroll through them. And that that's the same controls between yeah, see, the two games. Um, because of the way my hand rests on the controller, my finger, my index fingers immediately rest on the triggers. Yeah. Um, so I would change my item menu over to ZL because in, um, in Monster Hunter Generations, ZL basically did nothing. Yeah, like, did your lock on, and I don't lock on in Generations Ultimate on the Switch because I have dual sticks. Mm-hmm. I have analog on camera. Yeah, I need yeah. to hit the uh, hit the camera lock on button all the time. Um, but in this, with the addition of um, the wire bug, mm-hmm. um, they put they put the wire bug on that. Yeah, and they put items on L, and if I swap them. Okay, that's well and good, and that would work perfectly fine for me, except that means when I go to use a bow, for example, and I hold down the left trigger to, um, to you know, prep, prep and aim down my sights to shoot a bow, mm. um, it doesn't. <laughs> because that got moved to L, because it swaps both of them. Yeah. And it's just very frustrating that it's like, you know, it's just like one step too far, you know? Mm, yeah. I think, I think you, you think you'll be able to, like, I think once the full game comes out, I think it'll start falling more into place. I think we're just having some growing pains with the demo for now. Yeah, it's just, it's so wild to me that, like, they're, the control, the controls change that much. And, like, in Generations Ultimate, I was able to fix my problem by just swapping LR and ZR or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and that didn't affect the weapons when I did that. Yeah, yeah. Or if it did, it's because the weapons were on the same buttons as the ones that I wanted them to be by default. Mm-hmm. You know, like Sprint and ch- Hammer Charge were already going to be on the same button anyways. I just put it on the trigger, which is easier for me to hit. Yeah, and instead they decided to change it so that way they're on different buttons, for some reason. <laughs> and I think the reason is because Generations Ultimate was originally a 3DS game, mm. um, so they only had the one shoulder button instead of having two for each side. Yeah, but yeah. like, there's nothing also... wrong with that because you can't use the other button when you have the other button now. Yeah, I think I've only seen one weapon so far that actually uses the the trigger and the shoulder button at the same time for an attack and it's like it's it looks like such a fringe case 
maneuver that I don't feel like you really are going to use it that often. It's Insect Glaive. If you hold R and ZR together, it it, it lists the attack as like Wyvern Fire, or not Wyvern Fire, but like uh, wi- or, uh, Kinsect Fire. And I'm like, so does that make the Kinsect do like an extra attack while it's out? Like... Or does that like launch the Kinsect? No, because that's uh, ZR and X is the launch. And then ZR and A is the recall. But yeah, it's such a fringe case. Like, I don't know what that move is for. Uh, I I don't understand what, like, especially the the Kinsect that you have to play with in the demo is like one of the very, very, very slow bugs anyway, that I don't want that bug out more than it has to be. (laughs) I'm having a hard enough time finding where red essences come from. Like, I'm just like, I don't, I don't want to do bug bug stuff i just want to like jump in the air and maybe do a slash i don't know i i i'm i am sad to hear that you're not having the the most fun with the game because it makes me feel not like weird or bad but it makes me feel a certain kind of way that i'm having so much fun with it you know oh yeah like nothing is this is definitely a personal problem yeah I think I'm also in the camp of my favorite thing got probably the biggest rework and the biggest, not necessarily buff, but uh, my, so uh, my history with Monster Hunter is that I've never clicked with any of the demos. And every time I've tried to play one of the demos on the 3DS, I was like, I don't get this. I don't like it. You know, and then I think when we started hanging out more, you were like, no, 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 you have to like actually get into the game and like actually like give it a try. And then I was like, hey, I'm definitely open for like open to that Uh, out of all the weapons. Which one do you think I would like the most? And you were like 360 no scope hunting horn all the way. Mm -hmm. And since then, that's been history. I. I try to play Hunting Horn as much as possible in GU, although sometimes I will dip into Light Bowgun, and I think in Rise, again, I'm gonna be a Hunting Horn main, and it's the rework feels so good. It's definitely like a little, like I, I my favorite, my my favorite parts about the new Hunting Horn is I don't have to think about what my songs are, because they will always be very simple things. Like, literally all I need to do is get two notes on my staff, and then the song goes off automatically. It's, like, dramatically easier to maintain buffs. Uh, But that means I feel like I'm spending more time thinking about, like, my position on the field, what attacks I'm doing. And then also the main gimmick now is lining up three of um, one of each of the three notes... And then once you do that, that unlocks um, a really crazy, like, recital combo attack. And that plays all of your songs at the same time and does a fuck ton of hits and does a lot of damage. I don't know if you saw me, like, just kind of, like, spinning and wailing and flailing around, but that's, I think, the new, like, air quotes recital for Hunting Horn. Mm-hmm. But, um... And then the other, like, new gimmick is we have, like, a gauge that fills up next to our staff. And once that does fill up, you can essentially add a tail end to your recital, which I guess technically would be this game's encore. But it plays the hidden song for your weapon, which is an even more intense buff uh, 
for whatever that weapon type is. So like in the demo, the hidden song is like a really, really powerful attack buff. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. It's it's interesting because like I was I was doing a side by side comparison and I was showing one of my roommates like how Hunting Corn played in GU, and like like I, I definitely feel like it's a it was definitely a, a really cool rework that they did with Rise, but I don't think I'll ever like I think I still could play like Generations Ultimate like I Hunting Corn's always just it's good to me it it feels right. I like, you know, doing the mental gymnastics of thinking about, like, what attacks I'm doing and trying to get, like, my buffs out. It just, it feels good to do. Mm-hmm. I just need to get better about, like, positioning myself for more, like, cranial head strikes and, like, letting myself play more aggressively and rise. Because I feel like I've been playing very, very safe. <laughs> yeah, uh, Hunting Horn and Hammer both like to hit the head because that causes exhaust damage, which makes mm-hmm. the monster tired. Yeah, and I've been... I, I think my thing, my priority has been for my big recital combo. I'm just trying to make sure I land all the hits for it. And I'm just kind of like, well, I don't kind of don't care where i'm hitting as long as i can like line them all up and i feel like i've been getting pretty good and consistent about that so now the next course of improvement for me is okay i need to start lining up my recital combo on something's head so i can do like you know five six strikes right to the the dome and just like exhaust the monster as fast as possible Mm mm-hmm yeah, what do you think I'll have of... to watch a video about what they changed with Hammer because I don't understand. Um, yeah, they, they added the new thing to Hammer, and I don't have no idea what the fuck it even does. <laughs> yeah, it's something with like a stance change, and I was it's trying a stance to stance change, but all of the all of the attacks are the same. They looked different in the preview that I was watching, so I think it's. I think I was not explaining it to you very well, or maybe maybe it's just like not the uh, the charge. But I guess, but it said changing charge mode, so I don't know. I think it also probably has to do with um, how the charging attacks interact when you actually land the hit. I don't Maybe. know if it's it's gonna like do it when a monster's not around, you know? Because like certain attacks, I've realized just playing Monster Hunter in general, like the combos just don't happen unless you're actually striking something. How are you feeling about the monster selection so far between like what we've seen revealed and also just like stuff from trailers? Uh, I hate that there there's just so many monsters that are just the great Jaggy that exist in the in the realm of Monster Hunter. This one's literally just called the great Baggy. It's the same monster, but with a B. <laughs> and it has a spit attack. That's it, the it, difference. It, it just I think it's. To train you on, okay, bring sleep resist gear on this hunt. But it's, but like, that's, I'm assuming it's supposed to be taking the spot. It's either that or the Izuchi that, or it's going to take the spot of, like, um, for example, in Generations Ultimate, uh, the Great Macau. Yeah, I think that's Izuchi in this cast. That's, mm-hmm. that's the feeling that I got, especially since it was Macau in the demo. And it's Azuchi in this demo, too. That's fair, yeah. Let me see um, if I can find what was in the 4U demo. Um, 
if it was the Great Jackie in that, that would be very fun. Yep, Great Jackie. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the three monsters in the demo were Great Jackie, Tetsukabra, and Gormagawa. Has Tetsuk or has Tetsukabra been confirmed for Rise yet? Uh, we've seen. I've seen a Tetsukabra in it, but it wasn't like a monster Tetsukabra. It was like um one of the NPCs in the village had like a either like a pet Tetsukabra <gasps> or something. Oh yeah, no, it's the village elder with the big earlobes. He has like a yeah, he has got like a baby one that he just kind of sits on. Yeah, and he's the one who does the um the artwork. And the the paintings for all the monsters. Mm. I don't know, like... I I think I'm really excited about playing this game and, like, getting to go to, like, other villages and, like, actually kind of do the storyline. Are there other villages? I I don't know yet. The same village. But it's just Uh, big. Yeah. Or, like, it's got places nearby and stories are going to happen around it. I don't know. Yeah, I'm really curious um, about that. In World, you sort of stayed in the same village. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. You just went around the continent. But in For You, it is about, like, traveling across this world, going to different villages. Yeah, and even, like... um... But I feel like that might have been, like, a For exclusive thing. Because Generations, it does that because it's, like, a best-of Monster Hunter game. Mm -hmm. So it has all Mm -hmm. of the villages from past Monster Hunters. Yeah, yeah. I guess I'm excited to essentially play the story mode for this game, which yeah. is kind of a fun thing to feel. Because like for for generations, like I, I I'm playing generations just for the ex like the the hunt more or less. Like I just it's a fun game for me to play, and I don't super care about like any of the plot elements. Looks so there's not really much of one, in, at least as far as I can tell, in generations. Hmm. Yeah, um, it's like, oh, scary monsters. Make them go away. Mm-hmm. Uh, and for you, it was like uh, you were part of this caravan and the caravaneer wanted to like find this ancient city or something like that. It was like mm-hmm. trying to find something. So you're traveling to different villages so like, OK, this will reinforce our ship so we can fly it across the desert or what have you. Stuff like that. Yeah. So that's Monster Hunter. Mm-hmm. Yep. I had a... I've been having a very good time with it. I'm trying not to play it so much that I get sick of it. Mm-hmm. But I'm definitely having a good time with it so far. Uh, do we want to talk about FF14 or do you want to talk about EverQuest? Let's do let's do 14 first since like that's a, a conversation that the both of us can have. Mm-hmm. Instead of me just talking about EverQuest. <laughs> so I've been uh, getting back into to Final Fantasy XIV, A Realm Reborn. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm nearing the end, I believe. Um, yeah, you're about to do Garuda, which is one of... It's the second to last trial of A Realm Reborn. Mm-hmm. I'm looking at the MSQ right now. Let me just scroll down to where it is. There's one more trial, and it's at level 49, and it's a joke. Like, Garuda has mechanics, and we had to be kind of, like, a little bit careful with some of the stuff. The next one is, like, an a- is a joke within the community. <laughs> but yeah, uh, so, yeah, I'm on... I've got, let's see, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. So I've got 20 more quests after we take down Garuda. 
Dang, gosh, that's like really close. Um, and some of those could very much, very easily be as simple as go to a place, talk to a person. Mm. Yeah, and then as far as like group content goes, you've got Garuda to do. We've got uh, Cape Westwind, which is the trial that I alluded to. That's like the, the joke. And then you've got the first taste of eight person encounters. And they are going to be long and they are going to have a lot of cutscenes. But they essentially it's a very, I, I think they're very interesting and fun. Uh, it's a fun finale to A Realm Reborn as a, as a game. And I'm also very grateful that they never did anything like that ever again. That they don't make, they don't make very long story dungeons anymore. They're just like normal sized four person content kind of things. Mm-hmm. Um, but I've also been uh, doing a lot of fishing in the game because that's what the thing that I do. You've you've actually passed me in the Realm Reborn fishing quest chain. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so I can't do any of the. Uh, so I'm at like a level sixty one on my fisher, um, but I can't do any of the past level fifty content yet because I haven't beaten the main story quest. Mm. Um, so instead, I've been doing this end game quest from a Realm Reborn called Feast of the Famine. Um, and it is about catching legendary fish that are hard mm. to catch. And boy, howdy, are some of them hard to catch. Uh, I yeah, have, I, I gave to... up on... <laughs> Go ahead. <laughs> no, I was just gonna say, I gave up on Titanic Sawtooth because it's a double mooch fish that you have to catch in a very... I thought it was a very short window. Oh, but I think as you get... closes in 22 minutes. Ooh... But I think as you get deeper and deeper into the question, it's like, no, Titanic Sawtooth really isn't that small of a window. We're, it's going to get worse. Mm-hmm. Looking at you, Helisoprion. <laughs> uh, the, the largest window it has is like fucking 23 minutes. Jesus. I mean, I will say with the modern tools that we have in the Fisher's Toolkit, it makes getting these fish a little bit more bearable. Like, I think yeah. I was telling you last time we were doing, like, FF stuff that, like, we didn't have any skills to spend our gathering points in Aroma Born. It was just sheer dumb luck when we did these questions. Now you can at least influence it a little bit by, like, you know, using buffs like Patience or, you know, at least using things like Mooch 2 on cooldown when you can, like... Mm-hmm. we didn't have any of that back in the day <laughs> but yeah um so that's that's the thing i've been doing it's been fun it's been uh I'm, i've been thinking i've been looking over the achievements for fishing i'm like well, what if i just went and just started checking off the fishing log what if i just went to all of the fishing places in lenosha and caught all the fish and just keep doing that until i unlock all of these other achievements at least, I, I definitely think it's it's fun to at least reveal all of the fishing nodes to yourself. Mm-hmm. Maybe yeah, not. Like, there's, a, there's a lot on my list that isn't like marked. Mm. Yeah. Um. Because despite doing a lot of fishing, I did a lot of fishing on like ocean fishing and stuff like that. Yeah, which is just like essentially like a, a pressure chamber of power leveling for fishers. Sorry, there's a fish called Problematicus. <laughs> Yeah, Twitter and Tumblr's favorite. Uh-huh. We found in the Dravanian Forelands. Hmm. 
that's a fun zone it's a it's a forest on a mountain like next to a mountainside and it's got dragons because that's the expansion with dragons in it Mm. i need to look at this castaway chocobo chocobo chick oh that's the blue chocobo chick that has the inner tube yeah it's, it's on a this, baby. It's on this list, and it says closes in 16 minutes, but it'll be open again in 49 minutes. Oh, or maybe we should... 49 minutes after that. Hmm. Maybe we should do that this afternoon. Um. Oh, so you've been leveling Pugilist. Yeah, I'm at uh, level 25 on Pugilist. How does it feel uh, going from, like, a ranged DPS to playing melee? some reason i'm having less issues with it than i did when i was playing warrior but it might just be because i've gotten used to positioning more yeah um because like even playing like bard despite that being a ranged dps i've you know it's you know pugilist has a larger range than i think it has every time i use a move yeah yeah the um the I think it's like a five yard reach is actually pretty generous as you start doing more and more boss encounters that have like point blank circle AoEs around themselves. Some of them you can just like literally stand just outside of and still reach the boss with your melee strikes. Um I I've been playing Monk a little bit in my leveling roulettes on Daphne. And it like the rework that they did to it recently feels so good, and it it my favorite melee DPS is still samurai, uh. But at least I feel good that monk and samurai share gear now. So if I do get my monk to eighty, um, I can attempt to play both of them. Yeah, I'm excited to try out new classes. I just my brain is like, but it's gonna take so long to level them. <laughs> yeah and and that's the thing too is i feel like there's definitely ways to power level a job and there's also just like smaller incremental things you can do daily that are and and weekly too that like will add up over time if you just be patient with it um also you're once you i think once you hit 50 I think you start cashing in on the wonderful, wonderful uh, armory system bonus. So, like, leveling your pugilist will go even faster because okay. you have you have something at like high levels, and everything underneath that like gets extra like catch up experience because you don't have like the MSQ to just give you free levels. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that's been fun. Yeah. Looking forward to getting these last four levels on Bard so that way I can see if I can unlock uh, Samurai. Mm. <laughs> yeah, I, I um, unlocked Samurai Samurai on Crashing Waves, my now demoted alt character. <laughs> and I I, I did a, a roulette on him to get some, some currency to buy gear. And I was just like, Damn, I love this class. It's so much fun. Also something that... uh, Well, I guess transition well into EverQuest talk is uh, playing Samurai now doesn't feel so weird because every every class in EverQuest 2 has a cast time associated with its skills, even like melee characters. Um, Mm -hmm. 
so and that's like one of the main gimmicks of samurai in 14 is it has like one particular like big attack that it, uh, that the job can do that requires you charge it for like a second and a half and people find that uh a kind of distressing sometimes because it's like you know oh the melee job should be able to like move around as much as possible but samurai's like no i want to just kind of like sit here and charge up this like one really big slash um yeah it also reminds me that like i do want to try out uh like i've tried out tanking at least with warrior for a little bit just to get like a sense of what it is like and then i had anxiety about it mm-hmm uh, and I know I'd also get anxiety from trying to play healer, but I am curious, like what that experience is. I I think um, if you want to take a healer into Palace of the Dead, we can we can do that. It's the encounters I feel like are a lot shorter, and you are just gonna be sitting there like pushing the cure button a lot of the time because the damage i feel like is a little bit spikier than a real dungeon so they'll just have like brief moments that are like really intense and then it's over you know like mm-hmm. or there will be no healing required for me you can just throw out some dps spells things like that uh, yeah the the deep dungeon that spans levels 1 to 60 i feel like is a really good way to just you're you're not going to learn the job in its entirety in there, but I think it's it's a really good way to kind of demo what a job can do in like very short fights. Mm-hmm. Oh, also because you keep bringing up Palace of the Dead and how the, that would get you the um, the glowing weapons for the class or whatever. Yes, uh, I have to do all of these fishing quests that way I can get the glowing fishing rod oh yeah the um the blessed the blessed uh what is it oh there's two of them there's the um goodness let me google it because i would have googled it the blessed tackle keeps rod and the blessed tackle king rod mm-hmm. one of which glows blue and looks like it's made out of crystals and if you do get it unlocked that is something that you can glamour onto any fishing rod higher level going mm-hmm. forward which is just... all of the also the ones that i have right now i think <laughs> i'm pretty sure it's a level 50 fishing rod at least the, no. the tackle keep one is i think yeah yeah the the tackle keep one is a 50 rod the um the one you're using is the luminous fiber rod which is mm-hmm. a level the best level 60 fishing rod yeah i'm uh i'm, I'm really happy i'm able to like put together those kind of gear sets and just like spoil your your fishing uh endeavors (laughs) honestly between the the tackle keep and the tackle king rod i think i like the uh the tackle keep one a bit more Mm -hmm. like it is just more of like a a plain oh this is just a regular fishing rod that glows gold but that is better to me than oh this is like a weird crystal mess with a fishing rod coming out of it I think there's um a the level 80 fishing rod there, there's essentially something kind of it's kind of like a relic weapon that you can do a progression for um there was another for the was, keep talking for the gatherers and crafters and I I want to say that like if you keep doing it when once it keeps like cuz they they they've been improving the rod slowly over the patches 
And I think if by the end of the expansion, whenever like 5.5 or 5.55 happens, I think that one's going to glow too. Which will be interesting because it'll be a glowing fishing rod that isn't tied to an achievement. It's just a essentially a very long quest reward. There's one of these that was like also an achievement one that was like just like a plain looking fishing rod that I really liked the look of. And I'm trying to remember which one it was. I'm not sure. I don't think it was the Rod of the Luminary. I think it was the Ironworks Fishing Rod. Ironworks Fishing Rod. Which is a... Uh, you get for catching 106 large fish. Which are the hard to catch ones. Oh, Okay. So, like, uh, 100 will get you the title Master Caster, but 106 will get you the Fishing Rod. Dang, I wonder how many expansions worth of fishing that is, because I don't think there there is that many... Uh, that many big fish in a Realm Reborn. Let me see when it was added. No, it won't tell me. Oh, it was added in patch 2.4. Okay, then yeah, that that's all a Realm Reborn stuff. Yeah, that would have been basically all of the big fish available at the time. Dang. Okay. Um, there's also an achievement for if you catch 204 big fish, you get the title Grand Master Caster. Ah, <laughs> uh, somebody made a comparison image of the Ironworks Fishing Rod the last step of the halcyon rod improvement line and then some other like more like simple looking rods yeah like the ones that just like look like real fishing rod. like the only thing i don't like about um the ironworks is that it like it's real is sort of still built into the rod itself and isn't just like a big old honking circle like a, a real reel is mm-hmm. like i think i might prefer the halcyon for that but like and just that, something of just like, ah, yes, this is just a classic wooden rod. Yeah, yeah, and also the Halcyon rod. That improvement quest chain is annoying, to say the least. I'm sure it is, but I'm still going to do it, you know? Yeah, yeah, no. Uh, I And I will do it with you, because I, I started it uh, on Daphne years and years and years ago. But because I got through the, I think one of the harder steps, which was sand fishing during a heat wave during the day in a particular note in South Dana land. Mm -hmm. And that one actually wasn't that bad of a fish to catch because it was just a single mooch. But it was it was a situation where you're trying to get a, you know, particular small fish and it had like two or three different things that would eat it. One of them being the big fish that you're going for. Yeah. And that can get um, <clears throat> a little bit frustrating. Plus it's like, you know, the locale's weird. You're just sitting in the middle of the desert in a heat wave. So the like the lighting engine's going crazy and you're like, <laughs> what am I doing here? So actually, I do kind of like the other two that were at the bottom of that image you posted. The forager fishing rod, that's a very lovely shade of wood grain. That you can get with um, grain company seals. Mm-hmm. You okay. just, I think you have to get more promotions with your grand company. Yeah. 
Um, and then I like that the gilded rosewood fishing rod has a fish carved into it, into the metal of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's, like, this image is a very good, like, TLDR of, like, where fishing rods were at in 2.0. As far as, like, styles go. Without, I guess, without including the, like, the glowing one. Mm-hmm. Alright, did you want to talk a bit about EverQuest? Um, I guess... So, I've been playing EverQuest 2 a lot with a friend of mine, um, who's somebody I've played, like, Warcraft and, like, uh, Elder Scrolls Online with. I just tend to play just a lot of MMOs with him. And, I don't know, it's, it does a lot of things that I really like, and a lot of things that I just really just hate in video games, and also just, like, any sort of gaming just period uh so i guess the the pros of it is i love the like the like the flavor and the options for your classes so everquest 2 definitely subscribes to the um the camp of like okay these jobs are like things that are splinters of like a fighter right Mm-hmm. So, like, you've got, like, Guardian and Berserker, which are kind of a duo of things that are, like, related but, like, different. You've got Bruiser and Monk, and then there's Paladin and Shadow Knight, which are all... All six of those are tank jobs, technically. But depending on the context of either, you know, if you're going to be doing more overworld leveling in dungeons, or if you're going to be doing raid tanking, they all have, like, their strengths and weaknesses. Like... Shadow Knight and uh, Berserker really shine in group content where they can, you know, do these really strong, hard-hitting multi-target attacks that, like, leech life from their enemies and self-heal. Where, like, Guardian really, really shines in raid situations where everybody's just fighting one big boss and they can just, like, really hunker down and, like, protect themselves from damage. Um, and then you've got everything that's based off of Priest, which is, I don't even think I can name them all, but it's like, essentially you have like two different flavors of, of like a cleric. You got two different flavors of a druid and two different flavors of what's more or less a shaman. Mm-hmm. And they're all healers at the end of the day. So um, like the Inquisitor, which is one of the flavors of like, of a cleric, uh all of your like me- attacks are going to be melee range strikes but when you go to do like your heals like that is just like you're like casting a normal spell at that point and it's like i don't know it's like interesting having like this little like distinctions like you know templar which is the other side of the coin to inquisitor is focused on like casting damage and doing um more i think they've got like more support buff options where inquisitor is about debuffing and debilitating your targets to deal less damage to the tank and other party members but i think the big pain point i have with the game is everything is so tied up with either being good or evil or neutral Mm -hmm. so it has good and evil races and neutral races as well and it's just like really I, it, it's dumb and it's outdated and I, I i i tend to play 
what is considered the evil people because like you know that's where all of the fun monster people options are and it's like i don't want i you know can't help but to think of like the real world like implications of all that shenanigans and shit yeah uh that and they also have so two of the jobs for each of the archetypes is something that is just designated as good or evil so like if you play an evil person you can't roll a paladin you will only have the option of shadow knight and vice versa if you rolled a a good person you could not play shadow knight which i feel like is just unnecessarily limiting for a player's options like that and like i just you know don't see the need of having like good or bad characters anyway but um so it's like it, it shows up in really like i think dumb ways so the the good wizard is the conjurer but the evil wizard is the necromancer and like i don't know to me those don't feel like two sides of the same coin like yeah they both like summon minions but i don't find like summoning elementals like particularly like air quotes good like that feels very neutral to me yeah that's the thing about like when you try to put morality on top of magic and stuff like that yeah yeah it's like you can make a case that's like oh well uh necromancy is evil because you are like it, it you know this isn't me like making light of consent thoughts but like you know that's something mm-hmm. that would come up in someone saying that necromancy is an evil is an ethical yeah. wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's nothing good about wielding the wind to smite your foes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Or like, because yeah, Conjurer's playstyle is essentially you summon a minion and their spell focus is about strong, hard-hitting, like singular spells, right? They're going to hit you with a big ice blast, but the ice blast isn't going to leave like a lingering damage over time. Versus Necromancer's playstyle is, you know, yeah, they're summoning minions, but they're, you know, stacking poisons and curses on their targets to slowly like whittle them down over time. And I feel like as a gameplay mechanic, I feel like that should just be available to anybody. I feel like if you're the kind of person that likes you know, a caster that really prioritizes just staying still and hurling out the biggest spells possible, then you should be able to play that regardless of whatever, you know, like racial archetype you want to play. Um, so it's just like, I don't know, it's on one hand, like I'm having a blast because I'm hanging out with, you know, one of my best friends, but also like I'm sitting there like, my lizard person, I don't get why he's like deigned evil. Like, he looks like a bearded dragon who just wants to take a, a nap under a sun lamp. Like, he just looks like a chill dude that happens to have a little bit of Z-fighting on his face. Like, I just... It, it's just, like, it's so weird how, like... I it, It's so weird how much D&D's bullshit makes it into all of, like, all of other, like, fantasy RPG media. And it just drives me crazy. Yeah. So now I've gotten a little bit distracted um, by something mm. that we're probably going to talk about after recording. Of mm-hmm. like, because I was like, "Oh, let me check out uh, where on the map this FF14 fishing spot is," and I go over to Google Images to see if people have just posted the map there, and then I see all these beach homes, and I'm like, "Wait, hold on, why am I seeing this cool house image?" And now <laughs> I'm on a website that's like, "All right, here's a bunch of like uh, 
places in North Carolina that are rented out for like beach vacations or whatever. Mm. And I'm like, you know, that's like a, about the price. Like you get it for a week. Mm-hmm. And that's about the price that you would pay to stay in like a, a decent hotel for a week. Yeah. Um, I'm just like, well, what if when the Rona's over, I just, you get a bunch of people together and. <laughs> Cause like look at I like how much wood this place has. It's just the exterior is almost entirely wood because of just how much porch is going on. I feel like I've stayed at a beach house that is very similar to this in Savannah. Mm-hmm. Six person hot tub. Yeah, it doesn't look like it's that big actually. I mean, you could probably technically fit six people in it, but. Mm. That's good. That's very good. The pool's nice, but uh, any time that the pool would be open, it like skyrockets in price. Mm. So you'd have to go in like October when it's a little bit chilly out. Mm-hmm. But also, like, if you split that split that price across like four to six people, that seems like it would be a very reasonable price agreed agreed yeah yeah it's like there's a little bit of sticker shock there but you know it's got seven bedrooms and also like you could also subdivide that even further by like inviting you know couples to share a bedroom and that like splits it even further between people yeah Meanwhile, there are some that are just four bedrooms that are basically the same price. Like, I'm not seeing anything that's cheaper than that price, Mm. which is wild. Yeah, yeah. Although there's a 10-person one that, in, like, the prime time, it is a week, the weekly rate of the price of a car. Jesus Christ. Like a new car. Mm-hmm. From, a, yeah. from, like, a lot. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I will say, um, one thing that EverQuest does, EverQuest 2 does right, that I wish more video games picked up and stole, is to bridge the gap between a flying mount and a ground mount they have mount types called leapers which are essentially ground mounts that jump really high i will have to demonstrate this for you so you can see how like how high i'm talking but it is it's not as you know uh safe as a flying mount because you can just drop into enemies but the fact that I can just leap over mountains feels very good and is fun. Oh. Hmm. And it's essentially something you get to, like, hold you over till you get to the higher levels where you can start getting flying mounts naturally. Hmm. Because, like, I think I got mine at level 30? And... Uh, at least the cash shop flying mounts you cannot use until you're 85. Eesh. 
But also the max level in that game is 120. Hmm. It still doesn't help. That is a gorgeous house. Yeah. I love that. See, now I'm just thinking, like, what if we just got this podcast house for a week? Mmm. Chaos. Welcome to podcast house. Okay, I found one that's a very low price, um, but it's only two bedroom. Two bedroom, one mm. bath. Okay. And I say very low price, it's still like 500 It is technically yeah. more expensive if you only have two people. Mm. I'm going to be thinking about this for a little bit. Just daydreaming, really. Mm-hmm. Yo, this is just a fucking little cabin looking thing. All right, we should probably end the show. <laughs> All right, um, but yeah, you know where to find us on the places. That's at rnggcast at or emails at uh, rnggpodcast at gmail dot com. Uh, you can find me at madlobotanist. That's m a d l o b o t a n i s t. Stuff at madlobotanist.neocities.org. Crash. I am on Twitter at crashinglease14. Alright, uh, until next time, good luck. Have fun!